This scripture reading and the following address were part of the YouTube streamed worship video by St Paul's Lutheran Church, Box Hill, Victoria, Australia, on January 23, 2022. For more information, visit www.stpaulsboxhill.org.au. according to Luke chapter 4. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, peace and mercy are ours through the triune God. Amen. Today's Gospel reading from Luke is the first public proclamation that Jesus personally makes about the purpose of his ministry. You might recall that in the past few weeks, we've heard others proclaim the identity and mission of Jesus. So three weeks ago, we heard about the Magi, the wise men in Matthew's Gospel, travelling to visit the newborn Jesus and worship him. Reading from Matthew 2, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And then two weeks ago in chapter 3 of Luke, we heard what happened when Jesus was baptised. When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And then, just last week, we heard about the miracle at the wedding in Cana from John's Gospel, a wedding where Jesus and his mother Mary, along with the disciples, were guests. A wedding where Jesus, although reluctant to reveal his calling, performs a miracle for the sake of the family. I read from John, When the wine gave out... The mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. 
Today's passage from Luke has the opposite tone or feeling. Jesus is boldly stepping into and taking up his ministry. So Jesus comes to his home synagogue in Nazareth, the village in which he was raised. He knows the people. He knows their faces. He can call many of them by name. Perhaps they're even aunts and uncles, cousins and dear family friends in the small local synagogue of his hometown. And as an honoured guest who is already gathering a reputation as a great teacher, Jesus is invited to read the scriptures and to offer an interpretation. Now, before we get to the actual words that Jesus says, let's look at what leads up to these words. We hear that Jesus, that Jesus returns to Galilee filled with the power of the Spirit. This is not insignificant, particularly in Luke's Gospel and in its continuation in the book of Acts. From the very beginning of Luke, the Holy Spirit fills and speaks through the story's characters. So we think of Mary. The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And then Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Zechariah. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. And Simeon. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. And then finally from John. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptise you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So Jesus, the one about whom all these previous people have spoken, is also filled with and guided by the Holy Spirit. We've heard that the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus at his baptism and then leads him into the wilderness where he's tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. So, Filled with this power of the Spirit through his baptism and having been strengthened by the same Spirit in the wilderness, Jesus returns to his home district of Galilee and begins his public ministry. He boldly claims to fulfil the words of Isaiah, saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. How do we hear these words today? 
what does it mean for us? I think it's helpful to understand there are two ways, two levels on which we can hear what Jesus is saying. The first level is where we are receivers of God's good news. We are the captives released from sin and set free. We know firsthand the Lord's favour. And we know the joy of receiving this grace and how it changes our lives. The second level is how are we, now that we are free, called to help in God's work? Is there a danger in treating Jesus' words as only metaphorical, only about our spiritual freedom? Or is God's concern literally about the poor as well? The Greek word that's translated here as poor is patokai. It's really about all the ways in which you could be of low status, down and out in the first century world. Yes, it is about money, but it's also about your gender, about your family heritage, about your education, your occupation, whether you're sick or disabled, and your degree of religious piety and purity. So Jesus is saying that his mission is to the outcasts, the people who, for various reasons, are on the margins of society. He insists that these very outsiders are the special objects of God's grace and God's mercy. We'll come back to this in a moment. But first, let's notice the timing. At the end of today's gospel, Jesus offers a one-sentence interpretation. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, no ifs, buts or whens, not tomorrow, not sometime in the future, but today. Now, today is a very important word in the Gospel of Luke. It occurs 12 times in Luke and only nine times in all the other three Gospels combined. It occurs in such familiar passages as, Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. And today you will be with me in paradise. And twice in the Zacchaeus story, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay in your house today. And today salvation has come to this house. And in our text, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Are you getting the theme? For Luke, today means right now. This moment now is a moment of radical change. Think again about those examples I mentioned where Luke says today. So when the shepherds come and see the Saviour born in Bethlehem, they are changed. They return rejoicing and praising God. The thief on the cross is also radically changed. He has just said that, unlike Jesus, the thieves deserve their punishment. But instead, he's promised eternity in paradise. And Jesus' visit with the short little tax collector in the tree certainly changes Zacchaeus. You might remember that afterwards, Zacchaeus says, Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, most times in our ordinary lives here, we're not quite so committed to such moments of radical change. We're more likely to say things like, 
someday I'll start exercising. Someday, maybe next week, I'll get the booster vax. And someday I'll go back to study when I can find time. And we may, may do nothing today to help make that future come true. Or we might also avoid making radical changes today by dreaming of the ideal tomorrow. Someday the prisons will be empty. Someday the oppressed will be set free. Someday poverty will be ended. Someday all people will have heard the gospel. God will do all that someday. So we don't have to do anything today. We don't need a moment of radical change right now to help the oppressed out of their plight. But if we listen again to the section of Isaiah that Jesus reads, that is exactly the kind of radical change that Jesus is talking about. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor or outcasts. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Remember that the year of the Lord's favour was the year of Jubilee, when crushing debts were forgiven and slaves were freed, when those who have gave back to those who have not. And he's talking about it today, right now, as a moment of radical change. So on the one hand, as receivers of God's grace, we breathe a deep sigh of gratitude that today, right now, God's gift of release and love and forgiveness is ours. And on the other hand, maybe this is why his words brought such a huge change in the people who heard Jesus. We'll hear more about this next week in the Gospel. At first, they're very proud of their hometown boy. They boast to one another about knowing his parents. But the more Jesus talked about God's grace, even for non-Jews, Luke tells us that all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage. If you listen to next week's Gospel, where this story continues, you'll hear that they try to kill Jesus by throwing him off a cliff. Because generally speaking, those of us who have are pretty reluctant to give it away. We like to protect ourselves. And we don't like the idea that God may have a special place in his heart for the patokoi, the outcasts, when we have worked so hard to avoid being outcasts ourselves. But today, January 2023, sorry, January 23, 2022, is a time of change brought about through an encounter with Jesus here in the Word. What kind of change? The change may involve attitude, rejoicing and praising God, or I guess wanting to kill Jesus. The change may involve financial priorities, giving rather than getting. The change may involve finding comfort and hope in the midst of despair and death. We are called to be radical community on earth. By God's gift of grace to us, we are called and empowered to work on behalf of the poor and the oppressed. How can we help the poor in our own area? 
maybe some who are sleeping rough? How can we help the elderly? How can we help the hungry? What about our First Nations people? What about refugees or the oppressed around the world? In the words of John Lennon, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one because we don't have these dreams alone. Jesus is saying that the impossible is happening today. And the good news is you can start helping right now. You can be part of those miracles today. The bad news is, well, we'll never really finish. If you answer the call to start, it's a lifetime commitment. There will be great, wonderful moments along the way, but there will always be more that needs to be done. And lest we think that this is all about what we do, let's not forget that it's God who empowers us to do this work. God gives us his spirit, just as he did to Jesus, so that we work not in our own strength, but in God's strength. We know that we will never do this perfectly and often will fail. But just as Jesus promises to be with the poor and the outcasts, he also promises to be there with us, strengthening us. It is not our work that we do, but God's work. And he uses even our feeble efforts. In a couple of weeks' time, our gospel reading is from Luke chapter 5, where Jesus calls Simon, James and John to follow him and become his disciples. To follow him into the places of poverty, pain, oppression, the edges, the uncomfortable places where outcasts dwell. Today, Jesus calls us to follow him there too, to bring the good news of his love, liberation and freedom to all who are desperate to hear it, to share the grace which we have so freely received. We are empowered through the Holy Spirit whom we received at our baptism, to join with Jesus today. We are strengthened by the grace and forgiveness that is ours through Jesus' death and resurrection. And we are challenged to consider who are the poor, the blind, the captive, and the oppressed in our world, and how we might continue Jesus' mission, even when it makes us uncomfortable. Jesus declares that he is going to these places and he invites us to follow him there. May God always call us to those who need him. Amen. Amen.